Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, welcome to City Church. I'm so excited about this morning, and we're continuing on in a series on prayer and how to pray effective prayers. There's no point in praying prayers that are just a lot of hot air and don't have any effect at all. God wants us to pray effectively and uh, prevail in prayer. And it's a big, it's a big uh, uh, topic, but quite simply, prayer just means this. It means inviting God, who is outside of your circumstances or your situation, to come into your situation or circumstances and change it. So if it doesn't line up with heaven, whatever you're experiencing here on earth, will you invite God, the Almighty, into your situation so that he can change that and line it up with his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another way of quite simply prayer is conversation. It's conversation with God. It's conversing with God. When I think about conversations, and we've all had them, uh, sometimes conversation can be awkward. Depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to a best friend, then conversation's usually pretty sweet. It's flowing, there's a lot of laughter, there's uh, uh, a lot of total understanding where you're connecting, uh, especially not just cerebral or in your mind, but you're connecting in your soul with that other person. There's just that deep understanding between you where you feel like, wow, they really, they get me, they understand me. And it's a good thing when you walk away from a conversation with a friend because you just know that no matter what, that person gets me, they understand, and I've connected. Well, conversations with God can be a little bit tricky. And I believe there's several reasons why uh, conversation with God can be sometimes very hard, if we're honest. Uh, Firstly, because you can't see him. Generally speaking, God remains invisible to our physical eyes and uh, inaudible to our to our ears, and we don't see, we don't taste, touch, you know, our five senses with God, and and it often makes it tricky. It's almost like sometimes we're talking to ourselves, and it can be pretty frustrating, and sometimes it can be uh, even disheartening. You think, well, well, I'm wasting my time, and and I know if if you've had great prayer and you're you know, you're a prayer warrior, you'd say, well, that's not me. I get that. I totally get it. It's not me either, but I'm trying to help people break through in, into an area. So we're just going to get honest this morning. I hope that that would, uh, would appeal to you, just honestly get real. Uh, I think that the reasons sometimes that we don't have really good conversations with God, there are many, but sometimes those conversations are hard because we just don't, we do, just don't experience God with our physical senses. Uh, another reason that often people find it hard to get into a conversation with God is because there's so many other things that we can do. Uh, when I start to pray, my mind starts to go into, hey, you didn't check uh, your emails. It's going, yeah, I've got some important emails that are supposed to come in, so I just, I'm just going to, sorry, God. <laughs> 
<laughs> just wait there for a moment. Uh, I'm going to check my emails and, and see if I got that really important email from the person that's supposed to send that through or whatever, whatever. It's like there's so many things to check or people to check on. There's so many other conversations that are going on in our world all the time. And we often put those conversations in front of the main conversation, which is the conversation with God. And that makes it very, very difficult to get in and actually pray with a person that's not in our five physical sense world. Distractions are, are so much today because we carry around the whole world of communication in our pocket with that phone. It's like everything is there. I'm going to check my Instagram. I'm going to check my Facebook. One of the things that I've done, and this is like a practical thing, is put uh, a five-minute limit on uh, most of my social media, Instagram in particular. I got five minutes. That's it. <laughs> it's so if I'm not liking everything that you post, there's a reason for that. I just didn't get to you. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I try to keep some of I, I keep Facebook, for instance, because I want Messenger to wish a happy birthday to people. That's about it. Go on there, notifications. Oh, it's so-and-so's birthday. Okay, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, and I'm out of there. The reason is because I just don't have that kind of time, and I've prioritized my life, not around social media and keeping up with everybody, but uh, around conversations that have to happen with God. Several years ago, I was um, talking to a doctor friend of mine, and this isn't my, my main doctor, just a friend that happens to be a doctor, and she said to me, she goes, I've noticed that your posture isn't real good. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she says, well, you're kind of hunched over. And I thought, oh, I didn't realize that. She goes, yeah, you're walking uh, just a little bit. Everything's kind of pulled toward the front. And I thought to myself, well, what can I do about that? Like, you know, age must be creeping up with me, and eventually I'm going to be with a cane, you know. I can, and, uh, and so I went and I talked to uh, a, a physio person about that, and they said, well, you've got to work out your back. You've got to work on your back muscles. And you, when your back muscles get stronger, when you're working on your back, it'll pull everything, it'll pull your shoulders back and your posture is going to get bigger. So uh, they recommended to me to do rows, you know, row, row, row your boat at the gym, and to do various back exercises to pull everything back. What I discovered with prayer is that prayer actually is a posture. That You have to posture yourself purposely in prayer. You, you can't just work on the front what people see and expect that that's going to be effective in prayer. And one of the reasons is because God sees your back. He, he knows who you really are to the point of numbering every single hair on your head. <laughs> like, I think, wow. Like, that's how, that's the all-knowing God. He knows everything about you, believe me. Other people might not. They're only seeing the, the surface. They're seeing the face that you put forward. They're seeing the front. But God knows your back. And what the physio told me was, you've just got to strengthen. I'll give you some back exercises, and uh, you need to also work on your core. Everything's to do with the core. 
just every answer in the gym, work your core, work your core, do uh, planks and sit-ups and crunches and all that kind of stuff and do reverse sit-ups and, and work on your back and work on your core, just don't work on the front of you. And I would say that's the same thing with prayer. It's working on the unseen things, the, the less glamorous things, if you will, that's going to mean the world when it comes to our life in Christ, when our, our success in, our, in, in, in Christian living is we have, to, we have to concentrate on things that are just not glamorous. They're hard to concentrate on because, quite frankly, sometimes it's like this conversation, God, like it, it just seems like I'm just talking to myself. Well, you're not. What I'm going to give us this morning are some ways to approach God so that we can break through in some of these areas. Now, Jesus, before he gives what we would commonly call the Lord's Prayer or if you happen to be a good Catholic, the Our Father. And uh, before he gives that, he talks about this in, in Matthew and in Luke, he gives some instructions uh, on how not to pray. And so we're going to go over there for just a moment and look at what he says, because this is about working on our back and, and, and working on the things that, 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 quite frankly, are probably the more important things when it comes to posturing ourselves in prayer. And so Matthew chapter 6, it's going to read a couple verses out of this. This is his instructions on how not to pray as he gives this to his disciples. So listen to what he says. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites was, uh, a hypocrite was a person in, a, in the Greek theater. You might have seen it. They wear a mask. It's a mask, mask on a pole and it has a smiley face or a frown, and uh, that person played the hypocrite. It means that, that uh, they're not going to show their real face. If, if the play requires sadness, they put the, the mask with the frown on it. If the, if the play requires a, a happy face, then they switch over to the mask with the happy face. But uh, that face, that mask, isn't really who they are underneath that. They could be smiling underneath, they put the frown on, or vice versa. They're playing the hypocrite. And the hypocrite, when it comes to prayer, is that your public face is different from your private face. In other words, your, your, your back is, is, not, is not who you're working on and who you really are. You're, you're facing the front and showing something that's not, not quite authentic for, for who you are. So he says, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Now, we could uh, convert that into... Our, our, we can contextualize it, if you will, into, look, we're just showing people, uh, you know, quoting scriptures and, and putting on a good front in church or perhaps with your, with your friends, but who are you really? And that's what we're going to talk about, you know, this morning mainly when it comes to prayer. It says here, standing in the synagogues on the street corners, here's the motive, to be seen, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I don't want my reward <laughs> in full to be uh, just what you see. I want to have a richer reward than that. How about you? So we need to learn how to pray. Verse 6, when you pray, and again, he starts off with when you pray, don't be like the hypocrite. Then he says this again, when you pray. And I, I just want to stop there and say, to learn how to pray, you got to pray. 
I mean, that goes without saying, doesn't it? You're not going to have an effectual or effective prayer life. Your prayers aren't going to be effective if you don't pray. So, so prayer cannot be an optional extra. It has to be an imperative. And he says this twice here. But when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. Now we know like anything else in life, you don't start off perfect in it. There isn't anything that I think I've ever done in my life that I was just like, oh, I'm starting, but I'm as good as I'm ever going to get. You can apply that to golf or any kind of sport or music or preaching or teaching or whatever, whatever, whatever. You just have to start. Start somewhere. Start being, being it clumsy. Start with your mistakes if you have to, if they're frequent. But start practicing. Start stepping in when you pray. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. I said that is the, one of the hardest parts of it is you can't see him. <laughs> and so this conversation sometimes feels like you're having a conversation with yourself or with the air. But he says, go in, shut the door, pray to your father who is unseen, and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God knows who you are. He, he, he is inviting you so that your prayers can start to represent the real you and they can become authentic because there's no point in just faking it. There's no point, God, we don't need another fake. God knows in the church world, we don't need any more hypocrites. The media is exposing stuff. They're even making stuff up, for goodness sakes, about people. They're exploiting any kind of weakness and hypocrisy that they can find. And I think, well, that needs to be a challenge for the whole church to wake up, that we need to be authentically who we really are. And the who you really are is who you're bringing into that closed-door room in a conversation with a God that you can't even see, and earmarking and taking that time and putting that first. There's no point in putting on a mask with God. See, if God spoke to us physically, and that was his, his main way of, of operation when it comes to conversation with him, then, then that would be limited because we would be tempted just to put up a physical front with God. Nobody's going to get away with that. God is spirit. And those that worship him, and I'll say this, those that pray to him, you've got to pray to him in spirit and in truth. Be authentic, be honest. If you want your prayers to be powerful through God, get real with God. Get real honest about yourself. I remember once when I, I was a fairly new Christian, and I kind of had one foot in the world, and I had one foot in the church. And a lot of us start off that way, seriously. And a lot, uh, sadly, I'll just say sadly, a lot of people go years and years into their Christian walk and they still got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. In other words, they're one person here, they're another person over here. And I think that's sad because hot or cold, make up your mind, step into something. And I'm not talking about stepping into religion and just becoming, you know, 
uh, a really good quota of church stuff and, and, and religious in your, in your vernacular and all of that. I'm talking about authentically carrying on conversations with God throughout your day, throughout your life, being authentic and letting God change you, like I said, in the core from the inside out. And I was very much really wanting to go out and get drunk and smoke weed and do all the other stuff, uh, chase women, and I'm not going to go detail. I'm just trying to give you a picture of what I'm talking about by having one foot in the world. I'm not talking about that you like fast music, oh, you're very worldly. I was worldly, and I, and I was young, and I was loving, you know, the nightclub scene and everything that it offered, but I felt guilty at the end of a hard weekend of partying, then it was church time. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I was go to church and put on a facade, put on my religious face, talk a little Christianese, pull back on some of my language, which wasn't really nice, I might add, uh, when I was with my church people, friends and church. And then I'd be back, you know, hanging out, working all week and looking forward to the weekend and thinking, man, happy hour, five o'clock. We're going to go all, all out there, start the, start the weekend off. With, uh, with power, you know, power is called alcohol, and, and get right into it. So I was living two lives, and I was miserable. You can't, you can't be content and, and, and at peace when you're two different people, when you're Jekyll and Hyde. It just doesn't work. And I knew that, and, and I was challenged, you know, make up your mind, go one way or the other. And I remember I had a massive hangover, and I partied stupid on Saturday night, and come Sunday morning before I was thinking about going to church, I'm thinking, oh, God, oh, God, help me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. I was kneeled down in my bed, my bedroom. It was kind of my prayer closet was my bedroom. And, and across from where I was praying, I had these mirrored wardrobe doors. And I felt God say, open your eyes and look. And so, okay. I looked, and it was me <laughs> staring at the, in the mirror. And he goes, you, you can't even fool, you don't even fool yourself. You think you're fooling me? Because what I was planning in the back of my mind was, I can't wait till next weekend. <laughs> you know, I'll get church out of the way. I'll endure the being religious and talking that talk and all the rest of it. And then it's all on for the next weekend, baby. <laughs> like, woo! here we go. <laughs> and, and he says, you can't even fool yourself. Get real. I believe the beginning of the conversation when it comes to God and prayer is just get real. You can't be planning your, your, your life of sin <laughs> and then be praying for God to just you know, manifest in his holiness and change your, your world into what you want it to be. You have to be real with God. And there's a big word, doesn't get used a lot. It's called repent. Yeah. It's called change. Change your mind. Get real. Getting real with God means he's Lord of your life. He's either the Lord, which means I don't have an option here. I don't give myself an option. He speaks, I obey. That's it. Tells me to do something, yes, sir. That's it. Not, hey, I'll think about it. Why don't we just talk about this later? Uh, I know you're Lord, but Lordy, Lordy, me. Oh, gosh, golly, God. 
No, he's Lord means he's Lord, which means he speaks and tells you something that you need to repent of. You've got one choice and one choice only. Obey him. If you don't do it, don't call him Lord. Don't expect him to slip into your conversation and change your world into this amazing world if you're not going to obey him. That's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to prayer. In the conversation, you have to be real honest about yourself. Step into him. Let his word change you from the inside out. Out, whether that's his written word that you read and it jumps off the page and you go, my goodness, like I didn't realize that fornicators don't go to heaven. And here I am fornicating. He says, well, you need to repent of that, don't you? Do you want to miss heaven? I hope not. I hope that you don't want to miss heaven. John 15, you know, these, verse 7. If you remain, that, that word in the King James says, if you abide in me, if. That's a conditional word, isn't it? You've got to fulfill this condition. If you remain or abide in me, and my words remain or abide in you, here's the blank check that we don't usually get to. Ask whatever you wish. (laughs) And it will be done for you. But you just can't go, ask whatever you wish and it's going to be done for you and don't worry about the abide in me and my word being abiding in you and don't worry, you can play the hypocrite all that you want. You can just work on the front and what everybody else sees of you and you can go ahead and not work on your back. Your posture in prayer has to be correct, which means I'm working on the hidden, the unseen things in my life and then if his word abides in me and I'm abiding in him, I can ask whatever I wish. Why is that? Because my wish or my want lines up with his wish and his want. It line, my desires line up with his desires. Delight yourself in the Lord, the scripture says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a blank check, but, you, but the abide bit is where we miss it because we're too busy looking thinking about what other people are thinking about us, to think about what, the, what God who sees in secret thinks about us. That's the most important part. The most important part of my life isn't what you think of me. Now, I know sometimes that's hard news because you think, oh, I, I'm important in your life, Pastor. You, you're important, but not, you're not that important compared to God. So when I go home, you're not around and I don't have a microphone, when I get up in the morning, I've got to get in prayer with God, and and I've got to let God make some corrections, speak to me. And then what he does, because he's Lord of my life, not just a good suggestion, because he's the Lord, I don't give myself any option except to obey. And if he says, correct this, I will say, sorry, Lord, I repent of it, and I will obey. When you do things like obey God, when you, when you abide in him, that's why it says pray without ceasing. When you abide in him and his word abides in you, then you will ask whatever you want, whatever you wish, and it will 
be done. We're talking about praying effective prayers. If your prayers aren't effective, go back and ask yourself, where have I disobeyed God? Whether it's from his written word where he talks about, you know, how often they ask, should I forgive? Seven, 70 times, seven, like you need, to, you need to forgive a whole lot of times. If you don't do it, you're not obedient. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Like all of these scriptures have to come back. Oh yeah, but I've thought it, I'm okay. I'm okay with them. No, sometimes you got to walk across the room. Sometimes you, you got to step out what God's telling you to do. Get it right no matter what. Praying effectively, you need to know how to approach God. Now, approaching God really is your posture. And I'm going to give us four things, and I'm not going to give all four of them this morning. I can see that time will run out on us. So like every good series, this is number three in how to pray effective prayers. There's going to be a number four. I can already feel it. <laughs> and we're probably only going to get to point one or point two in how to approach God. Four ways to approach God. Now, I have made all four of these ways begin with the letter F. Why? So we can remember them. And quite conveniently, in a little bit of taking the shoehorn on one of them, they all begin with the letter F so that we can remember them. Thank you, Jesus. Four ways to approach God in prayer. Number one, if you're taking notes, approach God in faith. Faith is a big word. That's how God operates in your life is when you have faith or a deep-seated trust in him. So one of my favorite scriptures on this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and you probably can memorize this scripture if you've been in this church. You've certainly heard it a thousand plus times. Approach God in faith, Hebrews 11:6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not improbable, <laughs> impossible. Without a deep-seated trust in God called faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, what we talked about, abide in him and his word abide in us. You'll ask whatever you wish and it shall be done. That ain't going to happen without faith. Why? Why is it impossible? Because anyone who comes to him <laughs> must believe that he exists. <laughs> in other words, if you don't believe he exists, you're probably not going to go in a room, shut the door, and have a conversation. Posturing ourselves in prayer. How, how do I approach God in prayer? I believe that there is a God. Even the devil, it says, believes in James 5. It says the devil believes... He knows there's a God. <laughs> and the demons, they tremble because they know there's a God. A lot of people don't really get it, and they explain a whole lot of stuff away because faith takes that big step. I'm going to step across the line, and I'm going to believe that this person that I can't see, taste, feel, touch, or hear, I'm going to believe that this person actually exists. So when I step into my prayer closet, I take that time, that conversation to invite God from heaven to change things here on earth. I have to believe that there is a God. 
I must believe that he exists. And that's the big step of faith. God gives you that, however. To everyone has been given a measure or the seed, if you will, to believe this. We look up in the sky, we see the stars, we see the planets, we see the creation and everything that God made, and then we get a choice. We can either say this has happened by some kind of a cosmic accident or something less than a mosquito or a virus turned into all the beautiful things that we see today, giraffes and flowers and people and monkeys and all the rest of it, and say that just happened. No. I believe that there's a designer a creator, somebody that's so far beyond an intelligence and power. His name is God, and he's invited me to come into a conversation with him. He has all power to change things on earth that shouldn't be, but he says, you've got to, you, 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 you must pray. And when you pray, you're having a conversation with him to pull down that, to draw down that power from heaven and bring it into the earth. But you must believe that he exists. And then it goes on and says, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not half-heartedly. The effective fervent prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. We talked about that in number one and two of the series. To avail means to turn to the advantage, to triumph. Elijah, Elijah it says, was a, was a man just like us. He was human. He had all of his frailties and doubts, and yet he prayed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person that avails much, and the, and the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. There was no rain. And he said, it's not going to rain except at my word. Wow. That's powerful prayer from a person that believes there is a God and believes that when they pray to this God, that they've acknowledged through faith exists, that God's going to hear that and reward and answer their prayer so that whatever they ask, because you abide in him and his word abides in you, whatever you ask, it says he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Prayer takes diligence. It's not that easy to carve out time when time is, just gets away, doesn't it? And like I said, there's 50 million other things that you could be doing that your mind reminds you of, and your phone will ping, 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 and, and, and there are you know, people knocking at the door, whatever, whatever, to actually carve that time out. So how do you approach God? Believe that he exists. Believe that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Now, in this is a great key. It's not those who seek something, it's not those who seek to put a front on in the front of someone or people that they want to impress. It's those who diligently or earnestly seek him. When I pray, I don't come to God with a whole list of things as if he's Father Christmas or somebody. God, okay. I believe in you. Yep. Okay, here's my list. I'm not saying don't have a list. Not at all. But nobody wants a gold digger relationship. You know a gold digger? Somebody that's just in it for what they can get. 
Do you like people that call you, call you a friend only because you can get them something? You're, all, you, you're the most generous and you're shouting all the time. And so guess what? Well, they're your friend. They're probably not. They're probably hanging out because they're going to get something out of you. What a terrible affront to God to approach him like a gold digger because you want something. We have to approach God. We get to approach God in a conversation where we know he has the power to answer this prayer and to change some things in our life. But the main thing is I'm not after something. I'm after someone. I'm not, I'm not after what God can give me. I'm after, I'm after God. Proverbs 3.15, it's talking about wisdom that God has granted unto the, us for wisdom. So you can put God's name in here if you want to even though wisdom is personified in the female, it says in, in Proverbs 3, 15 and 16, it says, she, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In other words, health, length of days, healing, one, one translation says. And in her left hand is riches and honor. In other words, financial blessing is in her left hand and healing and length of days is in her right hand. But you've got to seek God's heart, not what's in God's hand. I'm seeking the heart of God in my conversation called prayer. I posture myself. I want to know, God, what's in your heart. I want to know, God, who you are. I want to have a conversation with you that doesn't start off with, here's what I want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I, I, I'm not a gold digger in this, God. I'm after your heart. When I have this conversation heart to heart with God, he already knows what I have need of, it says, before I ask. So why does he want you to prayer? He wants some conversation with his child. He wants a heart to heart. That, that conversation is what I'm talking about, working on you back. It's not public. This isn't before people. I don't go in the prayer, got my list of things, and then as soon as I, I get these things, I'm going to run out, tell everybody about it, brag about it as if it was me that did it all. Now, I believe in testimonies, and by all means, you know, brag on God, give God, you know, testimonies, inspire other people, but... I have to have a conversation with him where some of that conversation is going to be correcting some things in me. In fact, I'll just say this, probably most of the conversation is correcting things in me. You know that person? Yep, I know, the, I know those people. You haven't forgiven them yet. Do you know, you know that talk that you talked, you know, that conversation that you had you got a bunch of, everybody laughed at it, but was it really the kind of conversation that's befitting of a saint or, or of a pastor? Because those that teach, they're, they're under more criti a critical thing by God. They, they, you know, God expects those who teach the Word to even be way higher. So if you're going to be teaching, you got to pull it in, man. Because your conversation can't be the same as, as somebody, somebody else. As a believer in God, people are watching. People that I want to go to heaven, they're listening, they're watching. I'm aware of that. 
but I can't just put on a front to them because they're watching and think that it doesn't matter because it does matter because God sees the invisible. He sees behind the scenes. He, he knows the very thoughts and the intentions of my heart. So when I go into prayer, I've got to know there is a God and he, and he, and he sees right through me. Now, I take comfort in that. I want that. I wouldn't want God to be a God that I could fool because he couldn't be God. If I could fool God and God didn't see everything, then he's not God because he is omniscient. He knows everything, omnipresent. He, he's there. He's there in every conversation that, that I go through life. And so my power, and, and we looked at this in the first two in this series, and I really encourage you, if you missed one and two of how to pray effective prayers, I really encourage you, go back and listen to these and look these things up in your Bible and pray those things through and get that into your heart. You cannot pray, pray powerful prayers if you're not a powerful person. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. If you're walking in unrighteousness, then your prayers are not ever going to be powerful. But you are so powerful when you're in him and he's in you. His word abides in you. You are the righteousness of God. You can't get any righteous than, more righteous than that. But when you pray, examine your heart. Shut the door and say, God, examine me. If there's anything in me that's not righteous, then I've got to repent of it. Show me. Sometimes other people show me, I might add. That's, that's the, uh, one of the most beautiful things about having a spouse. <laughs> Whoa. All the married people are nervously giggling. Yes, yes, I've got one of those. <laughs> but it works both ways. Sweet cheeks. I get to look, I get to, <laughs> you know, believe me. What are you watching that program for? Hmm. Don't pray about it. <laughs> she wisdom has something in her hands. Prayer seeking God, not what you can get from God. A righteous person wants God's heart more than what's in God's hand. Point number two, how do you approach God next week? Next week. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into this right now. I could do it, but I'm not going to even tell you what it is. It begins with F. <laughs> Told you that, so you can just guess. The first one was faith. second one begins with F, but how you approach him, I'll let you work that out. If you get the right answer, there's a special prize for you somewhere in heaven. I'm sure of it. I'm just sure of it. <laughs> you know, well, is it this? If you get it right, I'll tell you. But, you know, it's all good. You'll come next week. How, how are you going, by the way? Uh, you know, I don't want to just give us a formula for prayer and just major on what to say and buzzwords and prayer and all the rest of it. This is a conversation with a real person called God. Okay. He loves you so much. Work on the unseen. Work on your backside. Get your posture right. Know how to approach him. 
get the series. If you're watching this and you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe for your own good so you can get into God's Word. And there's a, a whole lot of messages that yours truly has put a lot of time into, believe me, that will bless you in so many ways. You can use them as Bible studies and uh, get the Word, abide in Him, and let Him abide in you. In a moment, we're going to have communion. I've been, uh, we've been doing this in every one of this uh, of our series because we've been majoring on the unseen, the hidden man of the heart, where the power comes from. And so I want us all to have a time where if God's identified anything or anybody that you got to go talk to, apologize. If, there, if that's you and you know, hey, I, you know, I just need to say sorry to somebody. Be a bigger person. Watch what God does. He'll break through in your life. If you don't, if you just hold on to things, it's, it's really working against you. But you can also set other people free as well. I'm excited about next week, but I'm not crossing the line. I'm not going there right now. I'm really tempted. But we're going to have communion in a moment, but I want to give you a chance if you're here this morning or watching uh, online, I want to give you a chance to ask Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. He wants to save you from you, from all the bits, that uh, parts of you that you know you're not really that good. <laughs> and he wants to be your substitute for that and then lead you into all unrighteousness. You will become a better person when you follow Jesus Christ, no doubt about that. But you have to follow him. He's not condemner. He's Savior. I mean, how good is that? He loves you so much. And he knows your frailties. And he took your place on a, uh, on a cross. Took all of what was due you for what you're not good at. He took all of that. And he exchanged that for his righteousness, for what's right with him. So if you want to be included in this prayer, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and where you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And then when we finish here, we're going to take communion, and I want you to just prepare your heart to take this in a worthy manner, which means I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do to get things right, mainly with other people in life. And any, any habits in your life will be broken if you repent. These things can be broken off of your life and you won't be cursed with these things anymore. God gives you the power through his blood and through his body which was broken for you and his blood which was shed for you. So right now let's pray together a uh, simple prayer not a formula but make it from the heart. Confess it with your mouth. Say dear God I give you my life. Jesus I thank you for saving me. Come into my world and change whatever it is in my world that doesn't line up with your world. Let my will be your will and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. 
or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.